This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by SafePal. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. We managed to organize uh, the first Web3 hackathon this year in Ukraine, in Kyiv. Uh, our hackathon was uh, held in a bomb shelter, and I also brought Vitalik Buterin to Ukraine for the first time in his life. I'm back. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Untold Stories. You thought you got rid of me, but you didn't. It's been a great few weeks. I had some good time to refresh and to see what's going on in the world, to follow crypto, but at the same time, read some books and take a little bit of like a, a break. We had a crazy, devastating hurricane here in, in Sarasota and in, in Florida and all over um, Naples to Fort Myers to Northport. It's been it's been kind of crazy here. Um, and the macro situation has been affecting us all in big ways. Inflation is in double digits all around the world. It's been a crazy summer. And now everyone's looking towards uh, uh, winter and with the energy crisis, the potential, and how does that affect crypto, uh, Bitcoin? Uh, you know, people ask me, Charlie, you've been around Bitcoin so long. What's going to happen? And sometimes I say the best thing to do is take a, a step back and to take a break and to look at things from a different perspective. And it's it's really important. But I missed you guys, and I missed uh, uh, being in the chair and and talking about what's been happening in the in the whole crypto world. And at the same time, this Friday. October 7th, uh, nationwide, finally, after two years uh, of working on this theatrical release on this romantic comedy film with my wife, Courtney, who is starring in the movie, uh, you'll be able to see it this Friday. Uh, and I'm going to play the, the one minute trailer here for you in, in a second. But um, theaters all over the USA this Friday, and then in a few weeks, it'll be on, on video on demand. So go out or if you're listening and you're in the US, please this weekend, it really matters. Go out to the theaters, get some popcorn, buy some tickets. You're going to love the movie. Leave some some reviews. Uh, it's really, really funny. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin or crypto. It's just super funny with some great actors and actresses. And uh, you guys are going to have a great time. So please go check that out. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about the intersection of what's happening in the world. You, we still have this huge inflection point. It's affecting every single person around the world. Uh, uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, there's a lot of craziness happening there. And we don't really understand that that has so many ripple effects in the crypto world, in the macro world, in our personal bank accounts, but also with our friends and our family and our safety. So to talk to, talk to us about that, we have Alona. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Alona Shevchenko. You are uh, uh, the co-founder and operational lead of the Ukraine DAO. Uh, you're going to be talking to us about the intersection of these two things. Can you tell the listener, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor for me to be here. I never, never dreamed of uh, speaking to you in the first place. Amazing. I really appreciate that as well. Um, so what's been going on? What have you been up to in the past like week or two? I mean... We can go back to the beginning, but what's kind of happening right now? There were some votes that were taken, taking place. There's offensive, defensive. No one really knows what's happening. Can you kind of give an overview and how it affects us on a day to day? Um, are we speaking about um, the like the political situation? Yeah. Um, so I I guess 
I live in a bit of a bubble, right? So all my life is uh, centered around um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So like my info space is quite, I, I guess, um, maybe unbalanced in a way, but it's like probably understandable. And so uh, Ukraine um, in particular has been under a threat of um, like a nuclear strike. And uh, it's something that Russia it's uh, Russia uses in its uh, hybrid warfare, just the threat of it. And uh, normally I'm just super skeptical about it. So normally I just don't even want to hear anything about it because um, I speak to a lot of um, experts in disinformation and they explain to me that um, both nuclear and chemical weapons are more than anything um, tools for psychological pressure, right? So uh, that is their actual primary purpose. <laughs> and so uh, Ukrainians are very uh, resilient by now to all these threats, but the last two weeks have been really, uh, maybe the last week I would say have been really tough because it's like <laughs> uh, our president suddenly started talking about it in a, you know, in a different way from the way he normally does. And uh, some very respectable Ukrainian publications started um, announcing that uh, they have this intelligence um, data that um, it's, it's highly likely. And maybe that's a bad wording, but um, at some point you have to take it seriously, right? And the reason uh, it got to this point in the first place is because Russia is losing this war in every other way. And um, they are just not left with many, <laughs> they are just not left with many options. You know, and they are trying to bring as much destruction as, as they can. And so when you look at it that way, it doesn't it doesn't seem like a completely impossible um, outcome. And uh, it's been tough, to be honest, like I'm not yeah. going to lie. It's been difficult. Yeah. How how has the failure of the traditional banking system during this crisis negatively affected um, normal people um i would say it's just a failure it's a failure of the system of the political system in general uh you know so after the world war ii there were all these international organizations uh, set up and uh um there were trials right and uh, there was an understanding that lessons have been learned and hashtag never again, right? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, this year we all found out um, that, uh, yeah, never again we can say it, but it's like 20 euros is still 20 euros. And it's uh, it's sad. And Ukrainians feel um, betrayed um, by the promises that were given to us, by the reassurances that were given to us. And in, in case of, in terms of like, um, getting help for Ukraine for some reason, uh, for, for example, um, we were able to uh, mobilize and to raise and transfer funds to Ukraine with crypto um, in a way that would never be possible with the um, traditional banking system. It's just impossible to uh, transfer, <laughs> like, I don't know, $4 million in 20 seconds, like you can on Ethereum, uh, which is what we did uh, with Come Back Alive. Uh, so in that in that way, uh, crypto has given us the opportunities to um, provide like urgent help 
um, when it was most needed, you know, and I think that's uh, that was extremely valuable at that time. You know, this is, I think, so we had, going back to my personal journey through Bitcoin and crypto, we had um, these major world events where people said, hey, let's use crypto for this. Let's use crypto to help. You had, going back to 2012, 13, you had Argentinian hyperinflation, you had Cyprus, you had, you know, closing off everyone's bank accounts. We had uh, even uh, different type of, of, of events worldwide, various, I you know, various massacres and, and wars and things like that. But there was, we didn't have the capability, the technological capability to really look at crypto through this social impact lens, if you will. And now we can. And now all of a sudden, a bunch of people in a room can say, hey, let's create a uh, autonomous organization potentially and see how we can help out. And so like bring us to that to that conversation with you and the rest of the team. And 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 at what point during this crisis did you guys say, hey, maybe we could help people? I think I think the story started the story started much, much, much earlier than uh, uh, February 2022. Um, I was always very um, upset by um, Ross Albrecht's sentence. And that is how I ended up eventually at Free Ross Dow. Um, I have um, two law degrees. Um, I used to work in litigation for, uh, for about three years. Um, and so when I hear about cases like his one, um, I don't, I don't look at it uh, probably the way uh, a, a layperson does, right? So what I've found is that uh, people are very easily manipulated into thinking someone is bad, just because he's linked to A, B, and C, right? And so uh, with Ross, there was uh, also um, like a smear campaign, and he was accused of like um, what was it called? Um, like murdering people, right? Exactly, paying someone to hiring someone to to murder someone. He was never charged with that, yeah. but that perception remained. And to this day, people tell me like, "Why would you support Ross? Like he paid to kill someone." I'm like, no, he did. Like those people that he paid to kill, he, they do not exist, and he was never charged with anything like that. Um, and that's the problem with um, false accusations like that. They kind of stick to that person's reputation and it's so hard to yeah. um, clear that up, right? And so when I saw Freeros Dow last year, um, and I was working as a community manager on another project, and I was super <laughs> overworked already. But when I saw that, I was like, this is finally an opportunity for me uh, to help him in some way. It may be not significant, um it may not uh, i don't know turn the tide but i will contribute some i will contribute something to this cause that i care about and uh, the reason why i care about um ross is because i think um whatever like you know people have different views on silk road um but yeah he doesn't deserve a double life sentence he doesn't deserve to die in jail that's the the bottom line is that right there are actual and, murderers and pedophiles and child molesters yeah. that got five or ten years and are walking free now like i saw a reddit post the other day it said who are the most evil people still alive today and if you go through that you'd be surprised how many really bad people are still walking around free and so i you know there i, I 
my my personal case was exactly during the same time. I didn't have the opportunity to really dive in and follow when I was dealing with my own uh, 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 criminal situation. So, but it's really, I mean, it's it's just a crazy situation. And so, do you think DAOs are these like social impact slash philanthropic, more of like voting with my money for something I believe in? mechanism is this where this is um going? i no i do not uh think that we should be voting with our money um ukraine now for example does not have a governance token um and uh i'll, I'll, I'll i guess I'll, I'll have to get there in in five in a few minutes to three five minutes so uh when free was started i come into this discord and it was um, like, you know, early days of any like big uh, future big DAO. They are very chaotic. There is absolute just anarchy, right? And I come into yeah. this uh, Discord and I'm like, it's it's launched by police DAO. They will they'll bring in like some community managers. They'll, you know, uh, put bring some order into here. Um, then two weeks later, I join again. Um, and there is just the same stuff happening there. And I remember I just left a message saying, um, that if you guys need a bit of help with moderation, I can help. Um, and they messaged me and I just basically, all I did, and I think uh, that is kind of advice that I would give to anyone who wants to um, kind of um, start their journey in Web3, um, to just come in every day and just do something, uh, even if it's small, just to show up consistently, right? And just you know, suggest to do something of value. And if um, the other people on the team are okay with it, then just do it. And um, eventually you become kind of a, a more or less valuable person there, right? Because people know that they can rely on you um, showing up and moving things forward, which is often a problem with DAOs, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, the guys from Freewars DAO, they did something really invaluable for me in the weeks before like prior to the full-scale invasion, which started on the 24th of February. Um, like, eventually I started having really uh, bad nervous breakdowns. And that came from, um, that's came from the fact that I knew that this was going to happen for years in advance. Um, so I first realized that this was likely, uh, probably, well, just about less than nine years ago. Oh, wow. um, and um, the way I knew it was when I saw um, Ru Russian news and I saw the way Ukrainians were portrayed uh, in the Russian, well, it's fake news, right? And they were completely, they were yeah, completely fabricated. Sorry. And they were portraying us the way, um, in, in a way that was very similar to how Jewish people were presented to um Germans in the, the Nazi Germany before the Holocaust. And it was like very clear parallels between that. And I have a very simple upbringing. I grew up in rural Ukraine. I don't, I went to like a, just a normal Ukrainian school, but uh, I think anyone who had like history classes in, in school and I've, probably most people did, they, it's not that hard to like recognize it, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, and so I tried to tell people um, around me, I tried to tell uh, people here in the UK, I was doing masters th at the time, I gave some 
I gave some talks about it and people uh, back in like 2015, if you said to someone in, in Brighton, which is like a very, it's a hippie place in the UK, if you said to someone that Russia is becoming a fascist state, they, they would just straight up laugh at you. <laughs> and they had no platform, like no one, no one knew me. Um, really? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no. see that it was becoming a, like an, like, basically, uh, you know, what it has become for the past 20 years. Governments like stability. So it doesn't matter, you know, like, I hate to say it, but we taught we tout democracy, and it's all great. Mm -hmm. But really, at the same time, like, look at Egypt, now the West is supporting Egypt, that's still the same type of, of autocracy or whatever, or but it's just st stable. We just want stability. So the West was okay with Russia, because it was selling gas to Europe, financial mm -hmm. agreements, everything is good. They don't care who's in charge. 100%. So I always say to people that I just do not believe that um, 20 year old from Ukraine could see what uh, German or French intelligence services could not see. Everyone could see what was happening, but um, no one wanted to, no one wanted drama. And no one wanted um, to lose um, connections with Russians and to lose the money that they were getting out of it, right? And that is, um, it, it, it all snowballs. It all starts from like one bad choice, uh, multiple people making small bad choices, and then it just snowballs into this. Um, and so they could see what was happening. They knew what was happening. Um, they were selling... Uh, arms to Russia, despite the embargo that was imposed in 2015. So everyone knew um, it was all clear. Russia, um, what's really unique about um, genocide uh, that's on, currently happening is that um, Russia announced it in advance. Normally, um, that doesn't happen. Normally, the, uh, the, the side that's um, at fault um, denies it completely. Russia had the audacity to be saying it out loud that they were going to do it. And we were trying to tell everyone that they that, that that's what they will do. Um, and nobody listened. And so all these years, um, at that time, 2015, 2015, it was a very intense time for Ukraine. Uh, we had the revolution of dignity. Then Russia invades immediately. It was a very traumatizing time. And then it goes into a different stage. So this war, it never, it never stopped. But hybrid warfare is very complex. And uh, while the like the kinetic war went maybe a bit more um, passive, uh, the information war was ongoing twenty four seven, um, like every day of the week, right? And uh, when I was um, I was informed that uh, the full-scale invasion was going to happen on the 19th of January, so it would be six weeks in advance. Um, and she, my friend who told me she was informed by someone in the, she was alerted by someone in the Ukrainian security service. Wow. Um, and so I did not take it seriously enough at first, but I remember I just called my parents and I told them, and I knew that they were not going to listen. Um, because everyone in Ukraine is very desensitized to threats by now. Um, and uh, then I remember just, I started watching the news a bit more. And when I saw what was happening on the news, using that experience from back in the day, I remember I sat down for like 40 minutes. I opened websites with like major uh, news agencies from different countries. Um, and I uh, felt sick because uh, from what I saw, um, 
it was very different from how usually things go. Normally, when Russia is aggressive towards Ukraine, um, everyone is uh, deeply concerned. So it's, it's like a meme in Ukraine by now. Deep concerns, strong, yeah. strong condemnations, and all those empty words. This time, countries were sending out their, um, you know, embassy staff back uh, to their home countries. Uh, they were telling their citizens to evacuate from Ukraine. So I, you could, you can tell from those actions, right, that they know something. Uh, they know that it's serious because they never do it uh, normally. And so I, yeah, I started going to protests. I barely was doing any work in Firozdao and the guys from there, they showed me so much. They just gave me so much support um, and love that I just cannot be, I cannot be thankful enough to them. Um, they let me publish an open letter um, about uh the war that was about to happen uh, in on that blog. And just every day they would like send me a message, we love you, even when oh I was not doing the stuff that I, that I was supposed to do, you know? And it's really, it's really rare. I know it's really rare, both in like, just like, you know, Web2 corporate world, uh, Web3, like people expect you to do stuff. And then I remember the weirdest thing, and I've been reading these messages today, um, on the 19th of uh, February, so like five days before the full-scale invasion began, I messaged um, Matthew, uh, who is now, um, he became uh, one of the co-founders, um, and I say to him, I do not know why I'm messaging you, like we were never like close friends, um, but I said to him, like, I'm going mad, like I cannot go with this stress where you just try to tell everyone um, about what's about to happen and um and they just dismiss it um and i also felt really a horrible feeling of guilt um for not fighting hard enough this whole time to prevent this um and it's it was a, it was just a completely a heartbreaking situation and he started he suggested to me um he was like why don't we use web3 to um to help uh, and I say to him that someone suggested to me starting Ukraine DAO, but I do not have the resources, I do not have the connections to do it. Um, and they helped me, they helped me to get things on the ground. Guys, I am so excited to talk about our newest presenting sponsor, SafePal. SafePal is an all-in-one solution. You got a beautiful hardware wallet. You have this amazing fireproof cipher you got a mobile wallet, an extension wallet similar to MetaMask. You're talking about an all-in-one solution for all of your crypto needs. Founded in 2018, SafePal is a Binance Labs-backed, Singapore-based company, uh, the venture arm, where their mission is to make crypto secure and simple for everyone. You got cross-chain swapping, trading services, and more. SafePal supports over 40 different blockchains. I mean, check this out. Look at this. If you back up your private seed in this beautiful metal SafePal backup here and you keep it in your safe, fires or water or nothing degrading over time, you should not be backing up your crypto on pieces of paper. I mean, look at this. Look at the S1 here. It's so cool. This is the hardware wallet. You're talking, I'm used to using the Trezor or the Ledger wallet, but SafePal is a lot better because not only do you get the hardware wallet and the backup cipher, but you also get the mobile wallet, the uh, extension on your Google Chrome or whatever Firefox you use. So it all works together. You don't have to worry about man in the middle attacks and everything like that. You can go to safepal.com, use the coupon code Charlie, and you'll get any of these amazing products 
the extension wallet is free, the mobile wallet is free, the hardware wallet and the backup are really, really well priced. It's all super safe and secure. And I love it. I mean, there's no other way you should be using your crypto than SafePal. So how do you feel different now? I mean, you're talking about activism pre-DAOs. And how is it different now? What I mean, you're talking about having almost like a Web3 uh, army, right? The role of crypto in our particular DAO is uh, like overrated from the outside. So I think uh, there are a few features about Ukraine DAO that are super different from other ones. Um, and I, I was telling our contributors about it today. I think one of the main ones is that usually DAOs have to like fight the, with their <laughs> respective uh, gov government. There's always, always, I always hear about all these lawsuits and all sorts of, you know, trouble. Uh, Ukraine uh, is so different. Um, we are the first DAO in the world that has support on a state level. Um, it's, oh, <laughs> it, wow. When I tell people to this, it's wild. And um, it was very funny. I was in Barcelona, uh, this uh, East Barcelona conference, and people said to me, you know, you have support of the, the Ministry of um, Digital Transformation. Um, I was like, yeah, and they said, what, what, what are you going to do if you ever want to like kind of go rogue and uh, just not be associated with them anymore? And I said, it was so funny because uh, to me, like I was so proud to have been introduced to them and no one, like we are completely autonomous. Like there is not, no one ever told us what to do in the DAO and there is no zero control for, or zero oversight from the government about what we are doing. Um, if like the only time well, when I ask you this. them is uh, okay. when I need support. Well, let me ask like, you this. People, mm -hmm. Some people are familiar with the term NGO, but they don't really know what they are. Are DAOs kind of like the Web3 version of a of an NGO, a non-governmental organization? The way I see it, right? Um, every DAO has a very different purpose. Okay. So you cannot lump them together. You just, um, a DAO in, like, for Ukraine DAO, a DAO is not the right term in the first place uh, because um, it's a DAO stands for decentralized autonomous organization. And about decentralization, I have my own, um, like, it's a, it's a separate little TED talk, but um, TLDR would be that mindless decentralization um, that is just like kind of done for the sake of it is not good um, when you're being invaded by a in another country and there are lots of bad actors out there trying to get you like if um in ukraine now anyone could have a say we would be hijacked immediately <laughs> and i think anyone would agree with it so um i learned a really cool term recently uh recent recentralization right so like like mindful centralizing um and in ukraine now um we, we basically practice something that's like with elements of holacracy, but it's not, um, we, are, we do not uh, say that anyone can join us or that anyone can have a say, uh, that would be suicidal. And so to some extent, we are not completely decentralized and I don't think we should be. Um, and, and then autonomous uh, usually implies that um, 
it's a technical term well, <laughs> right let's, let's, what is explain this governing philosophy of of holacracy uh, and i've never heard of that until we were until today uh, so holacracy is a system of uh self-management that um the purpose of it is is this when you have a team normally you have a, like a top-down hierarchy right and the boss is in charge and he's making decision or she's making decision and then let's say one uh, employee makes a, they have an idea um but because the boss has his own maybe cognitive biases they do not let him uh see the benefits of that idea uh they dismiss it uh and that uh, loses then the value is lost right or whatever benefit that could have brought for the organization um holacracy implies uh that the the aim of it uh is that you you can ex like extract that value um from uh, the employee that or from a member that um maybe not like <laughs> it, yeah. it basically tries to balance out all this um like power imbalance within um within the team but uh, it has its own limitations and like my my personal view is that um no particular approach and no particular framework is going to work in a complex system uh my, like uh, seamlessly you always need to think about what is it that you're trying to do and you need to apply the whatever principles or frameworks that you know of in order to make it work so um, i'm not i'm not advocating for holacracy sure, sure. something else i think the point is is what we're gathering here is that everything has to be fluid and organic what DAOs yeah. are, uh, what crypto is, what Web3 is, social impact, activism, the relationship between people, organizations, governments, things, it's all changing. It's been changing since shit, like 2011, over the last 10 years. But it wasn't until the pandemic that really was that black swan event combined with the Ukraine crisis that we're seeing all these different things kind of kind of come to light and we're seeing people act in in different ways i mean look at the initial reception for you guys you i think you guys were able to raise over like seven million dollars in the first five days the people want these tools so like what's the next step how are you guys uh 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 using these uh the different tools that you have to really show as an example of how things can be done in a in a better, more transparent and fair way. Um, first of all, always interrupted you. Um, we do not call it Ukraine crisis. Uh, that's the wrong that's wrong Thank terminology. You for, for correcting me. I always out always correct it. Uh, all every Ukrainian will do this. Uh, it's. Um, it's called, um, I, well, there are, there are separate options, but uh, it's it should not be called a conflict. It should not be called a crisis. It's, uh, it can be called a war. And um, when you use war, uh, Russia needs to be put first, right? Because when you say Ukraine war, it creates this like this no, um, perception that uh, it's like uh, Ukraine's fault. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's the Russian invasion of of Ukraine. I don't know what That's else it. to call yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking invasion. That's what it is. 
Um, I even made I made a notion page. It's called "Covering Ukraine as a Journalist," and it has like all of these like uh, terms and uh, like the most ridiculous ones are used by all these like international charities. Uh, they called uh, once they called it volatile situation, and I said that a volatile situation is something that can be seen on Russian stock markets. <laughs> yeah. So you're inside this bubble, right? I'm on the outside of it as the rest of the world. But if you look at it, we're all in various information bubbles in all information mm -hmm. silos. And the biggest frustration we have every single day is how to take the information in the news and decipher it right in into what exactly is really going on. U.S. presidential elections, inflation, energy crisis, pandemic, all these different things where we're constantly just lied to or the agenda or the narrative is changing. You know, you know what the Western public perception of everything is. You just corrected me. Ukraine crisis. It's not the Ukraine crisis. It's the Russian invasion of Ukraine. What else are we getting wrong? Like, has Western attention shifted or changed? Oh, God. Um, wow. You just opened like a Pandora box to me. Because Good, it's, we have time. Uh, the most, <laughs> it's the most like painful subject for me. But let, let me go back a little bit to Dallas for activism. Um, I think like what's um, what's unique about Ukraine DAO um, and what I would love to see in, in more in DAOs is seeing them as something that's beyond uh, a fundraising tool. And so when I saw when I started Ukraine DAO, um, the purpose of the initial my initial idea was to uh, have uh, like a a hub of uh, kind of Ukraine-centric hub of coordinating Ukraine donations. Uh, and Ukraine is a very crypto-friendly country, as I said, and many respectable uh, Ukrainian charities, uh, they've been accepting crypto for years, which is like super unusual for other countries, right? Um, and so uh, that's what it started from. But then it very quickly like grew into this like huge, um, community and now we have like uh we have about uh 13 or 15 um working groups and they include um trans like a translation and writing pod we call them pods uh and uh they just they produced uh, hundreds and hundreds of um amazing translations and subtitled videos uh that we just share them on social media and they get huge amounts of engagement and we use we use it to educate people about what's really going on in Ukraine. Um, and that has nothing to do with crypto at all. Sure, it just happens sure. under this umbrella of Ukraine DAO, right? In the same way, our fact-checking pods is the most prominent and the most active uh, group right now in Ukraine DAO. They have nothing to do with crypto. And I think what's unique about, um, about Ukraine DAO is that it was um, it's the first one that I know of uh, doubt that you do not need to know anything about Web3 to join it. And the reason why um, we set it up from the very beginning was because I could see uh, the bigger problem uh, beyond lack of funding. Um, the bigger problem was the infor information warfare that Russia was waging on Ukraine. And if you want um, a disinformation expert to join your team, I'm sorry, but you cannot expect for them to be onboarding to Web3. And you cannot be expecting a Ukrainian person who may be super knowledgeable and they can be very helpful to you. You cannot be expecting for them to be um, like uh, on studying blockchain during genocide. It's just, it just not realistic, right? Um, and so 
the way we said and also like more than anything i wanted to avoid any like financial speculation around the dow and so um that's why we don't have a governance token um and i think in the future governance uh like token based uh, governance the way it is now like voting with your money as you said i think it will become a thing of the past uh and people were <laughs> people in the in the early days people were saying to me that i was crazy uh and they would say to me like but like when are you becoming a real DAO? <laughs> and uh, I was like, we are a real DAO. Um, and they were just really, really skeptical. And uh, then I came across this uh, thread by um, Will, um, he's the co-founder of Syndicate. And he, in that thread, I found it absolutely fascinating. I could not shut up about that thread. I'll send it to you as well. No, we had him on the show. Uh, awesome. Uh, he, he wrote a, a thread about like the original concept of a DAO. And what I found like completely mind blowing when I read this thread is that Ukraine DAO developed exactly like he describes in that thread, according to that original concept of, of the DAO, without us reading ever that thread. And I just found it so interesting. Um, and I think that's the kind of secret behind us being more efficient and more agile than um, DAOs normally are. What a crazy thread! I I mean, we had we had a. Uh, uh... The, the CEO of Syndicate on the show, and it really blew my mind because, you know, I don't, I want to take a step back and I don't call it like, you know, you should, you know what, we, we can, bringing it back to a conversation that I was having a few months ago, this is a different type of mapping relationships between people. And I think that ultimately is what it's coming to be. So you're talking about the ability for folks not to like vote with their money, but vote maybe or like to show their support into something that's not just uh, uh, through joining like some sort of traditional membership organization that ends up leading to nowhere. This is the, the Web3 version of that. I remember in the like first few weeks, um, I was like, I was trying to set everything up right. And uh, I was very lucky to um to become friends with the, the dad of vitalik buterin uh, dima dima buterin yeah he's been mentoring me uh, ever since and uh, i'm really grateful that i have him in uh, in my life and when i asked him for help with like set you know like organizing ukraine DAO, the first thing he asked was like do you have a written up um do you have a written up uh, page where you would set out your values and I was like, no, why do we need it? I, I generally, I didn't, you know, I'd never done anything of this scale before. And I was like, why didn't, is this an urgent thing? And he was like, yeah. And I started uh, kind of doing research on how, do, how to actually like write them up so that they're not just like uh, some bullshit that you wrote and, and nobody cares. Um, they really reflect our values that we have. They really reflect who we are. And uh, we really, we only onboard people who um, kind of, uh, who are good culture fit in accordance with those values. And that's been the most helpful thing that uh, I think Ukraine DAO uh, has done in terms of its uh, organization. And so the, he also recommended me this book that's called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. And I didn't read it for the longest time. And then once I did, um, I really regretted that I didn't read it before. I don't know if you've ever read no, it. No, but I'm going to check have. it out. What's it called? 
uh, the advantage. Uh, I'll send you the link. And the, the book basically states that the most important thing that your team needs to have to have a long lasting impact is organizational health. And organizational health means minimal politics, minimal confusion, uh, a lot of clarity. And a lot of clarity often means uh, just repetition, right? So kind of drilling it into people what you are sure. about um, and something else. But basically, there has to be cohesion in the team. And when you don't have that cohesion, and I think that's a problem with a lot of DAOs, is that someone will, make, someone, someone will spend four days writing a proposal one person comes in maybe he's not even from this community he comes in he criticizes everything and then nothing happens that's what makes DAO so inefficient and so kind of slow and ineffective and um, that's that's how we've been avoiding it so far there are certain types of relationships that we have like even family organization like family units of five or ten people that have to work with each other on a week-to-week -week basis uh and there are friendships or different type of type of organizations, like even businesses or, uh, uh, but when it, when you have organizational clarity, you have less drama and less politics. So because you spend so much time focusing on different types of strategies around this, through this like DAO effort, you're really showing how, because you have and this is kind of what I've been summarizing over the last hour or so, is that because you have a lot more clarity between your in your organization about how to do things and how everyone works with each other and the culture is a fit, that you're really showing how charity, war relief, evacuation efforts can be organized better through how 100%. you're doing it than through traditional methods. 100%. Uh people often ask how do people make decisions in uh, ukraine now uh the only proposals that are written up in writing actually uh i mean that are like formalized right are the ones that are like finance related um but the fascinating thing is when you onboard people to the DAO on the basis of that be of them being a good culture fit there is very little need for governance solutions because they like they don't actually um have that much like um con like aggressive kind of uh, conflict yeah, that's, that's unhealthy in its nature right sure. so um we debate things a lot and uh like diversity of opinion is like very much encouraged but when we argue with each other because there is cohesion in the team when i'm arguing with another team member or they are arguing between themselves they know that they are genuinely on the same side they're not just on the same side on paper but they are uh, they're arguing to find out what's true. They're not yeah. arguing to find out who is right and who is wrong. And that's a crucial difference, I think. Alona Shevchenko, thank you. Thank you so much for for, for taking the past hour and, and talking to me today. Um, how can my listeners follow you and get involved? Ukraine underscore DAO. We are very, you know, very unconventional project. And something that I also want people to know is that we are currently helping um, Iran DAO to launch and uh iran dao uh started when my friend uh, jaden she uh messaged me and she said she has this amazing iranian friend um who's also from london uh based in london like me and she said she's looking to um set up iran dao 
uh, but she doesn't she doesn't have um, you know extensive experience with them and she asked uh, if I could help and so we've been working that. with Morale. Uh, she is an incredible woman like when I met Morale, I haven't met her in person yet but we will meet this week I really I'm really looking forward to it and it's like the solidarity and the um, the, the kind of the sense of we just hit it off immediately when uh, we started speaking because we're going through the same like the root cause of our problems is essentially the same um and it's it's just really it's really inspiring for me to be um to, to, to be able to even to, to learn from her and to share my experience for, with her she's amazing and so um something that i want for people to know is that uh, iran Dao is coming i think that in the future we're going to have so many different types of these organizations and that i'm excited to see how they all work together in the future and how they band together to maybe like create temporary DAOs consisted of all other DAOs. And like, you're going to see, it's just so exciting. The next few years, uh, I'm excited to have you back on the show in six months from now. Hopefully we're, we're celebrating some positivity uh, with the, the ending of that invasion and things like that. So let's, let's keep Ukraine victory. We'll be celebrating yeah, victory. victory. I can't wait. Yeah. Before I, before I leave, uh, because otherwise, Kyiv Tech Summit friends will kill me. We managed to organize uh, the first Web3 hackathon this year in Ukraine, in Kyiv. Uh, our hackathon was uh, held in a bomb shelter. And I also brought Vitalik Buterin to Ukraine for the first time in his life. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Thank you for having me.